You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the Tuesday after the train deadline, and I'm excited to say this, and my most often co-host, Dave Early, is also very happy to say this. Dave, I, I need to tell you this, and I need you to understand that what happened last week was not a dream. James Harden is a Philadelphia 76er. <laughs> <laughs> not a dream. Not a dream. Not some acid-induced psychological uh, aberration. No, this is a thing that's happened. If you go to the Sixers Instagram page, you'll see photos of James Harden in a Sixers practice uni. This is a thing. This is happening. And I, for one, am incredibly excited. Uh, Dave, what, what, what was the gambit of emotions as the trade deadline went down? Oh, man, like going into the week, I went up and down, you know, like hanging on all these reports. One day I felt like, you know, I really don't think they're going to do it. And then we would get another report that made it sound like they really are going to do this. Um, If you went back and listened to like some of our podcasts, you're probably like, these guys really don't expect to trade. Um, And then I started to get confused because there was the reports from like Keith Pompey and Ian Begley uh, and others that, there were like negotiations ongoing, you know, Matisse Seibel's on the table. No, he's not. It's going to be, it's going to start with Ben Simmons and a couple picks. Uh, what else is what it depends on. But then you had someone like Woj come on there and said, they haven't even spoken yet. And I was like, well, how is this adding up? You got to trust Woj here. Right. But um, apparently there was, you know, I don't know if they were going through intermediaries or back channels, but something was going down. What you said about Woj is precisely what I felt when Woj came in and was saying that the Sixers and Nets hadn't even really talked about it. Immediately, I threw my hands in the air. and was just like, well, OK, that was that was a short lived dream. So much for that. Let's move on. And uh, what I guess we're trading for Buddy Heald and Tyrese. No, we're not doing that because they went to Indiana. Are we trading for De'Aaron? Fut- no, probably not, because Sacramento has to keep something since they traded for Sabonis. Well, all right, I guess this is our team. We're just going to ride into the playoffs with it. And then what was it, like 1.30, 2 o'clock? The, the, whole, the whole kit and caboodle came down and just jubilation. I don't want to say panic in the streets, but much joy and happiness in the streets of Philadelphia. Yeah, did you? Were people like celebrating? I'm in New York. Give me an I, update. I, I mean, I, I was celebrating personally in my uh, in my office when it came down. I ran out the back door of the office and just started screaming, "James Harden is a Sixer!" in the parking <laughs> lot. But that was just me. And there was like a a gym in that complex, 
So people started running out when they heard me and just and they were saying, wait, is this for real? Is this for real? Like, yes, it's totally for real. Woes tweeted it out with the blue check mark. It's done. It's happening. So almost as credible as getting the tweet yourself from Woj is someone delirious with joy yelling in the streets to a stranger that James Harden is a sixer. Because I don't think many people would do that if it wasn't actually the case. Listen, I do what I can for the Sixers fan base, okay? If I'm I saw here, it, I, I would trust the reporting. <laughs> I'm out here working for the fan base. I don't, I don't know if everybody quite understands that. <laughs> but now James Harden is a sixer. And there's, there's some things that we kind of have to go over first and level our heads here a little bit. I know people are going to hate when I try to do this because it's, it's James Harden and he's a sixer. But the first thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that Harden's not expected to make his debut. You wrote this on the 11th, wasn't supposed to make his debut this past weekend. And in fact, he may not be on the floor for the Sixers until after the All-Star break rehabbing that left hamstring. Yeah, I think it became commonplace to hear unpacking of the, the blockbuster trade and the way it went down. And everyone is assigning this narrative that he was sort of dogging it for the King, uh, for the Nets. And, you know, in that Kings game, when he had four points, it was like a big body language. You better trade me. Um, And we've seen that before. We've seen that before players do that. And that's kind of the case, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. But alongside that or undercutting that narrative is also that I think he actually did have some left hamstring tightness. He first talked about it following uh, a game in late January against the Lakers when I guess he tweaked it, cost him a game, but then he played a couple games on it. uh, And Steve Nash ended up saying it was a factor in that two of 11 stinker in Sacramento. Um, Obviously there's some reporting as well that he was partying on that road trip. So maybe a little tightness in the hammy, maybe a little, uh, you know, clubbing on the West coast maybe from frustration that Durant's not on the lineup and Kyrie's only around for the road. Um, So I I guess, you know, I'm still trying to make sense of it all, but I do think he actually does have a little bit of an issue and it makes sense then if they rest him through the all-star game and not playing in the all-star game is also a hint of indication to us that he actually has something um, that could buy him over three weeks off from his last game to his next game. This is something that you put in your piece as well, and I actually thought this was pretty pretty nice, and it gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, quote, a Liberty Baller source indicates that this is the main reason Hardness missed some time, the, the sitting out, preferring to be conservative with the hamstring issue with his focus on the playoffs, not that he was simply looking to swing a trade, the latter of which we've seen happen over and over and over again. So I mean, my head kind of went there. But if this is a legitimate thing and we get 100% of James Harden plus MVP'd, um, good, lo- good, Lord, good luck, Eastern Conference. Yeah, there's a world where James Harden was so frustrated by things like Kyrie's part-time – or not at all status and then later part-time status after the new year. Uh, And then now that he's in a situation where he's really happy, he'll be playing his best. 
I think the ideal scenario for the Sixers is that, yeah, he was really, really frustrated, and that did lead to some of the lethargic play we saw from him this season. Unfortunately, I think the truth is that some of the decline that we saw cannot simply be attributed to frustration. I do think there's a realness to that inconsistency and the lack of burst that we have seen at times this year. Uh, I think if you're a Sixers fan, the absolute home run scenario would be maybe he trims down a little bit, you know, maybe 10 to 12 pounds. Uh, I know he's talked about around Christmas how he sort of went all in on his diet and his nutrition during his asymptomatic COVID break in late December. Right. So they might want to see him get back to that. He made a, a remark that he doesn't do cheat days more than like once every month or so or two months. So I think you'd want to see him trim down a little bit. And I think then you'd want to see the team be pretty careful with him. He was playing like 37 minutes per game and not just that, but carrying needing to carry the load because without Kyrie, that's a team based around three max contracts and everyone else is just a role player. Uh, so when you take out one or two of those guys, you're asking a huge burden on James. So the Sixers should be mindful of that and try to keep his minutes down in the you know low to mid thirties if possible and get get right for that stretch run because that's what it's all about. Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer was talking about this on the Bill Simmons podcast. This was last week when the trade happened, and it's something that I kind of agree with. I want to get your take on it. They were saying that Harden is probably going to be on his best behavior one because he swung the trade, and. Two, because he reunited with Daryl Morey, somebody that he has been infatuated with, somebody he's very friendly and has a good rapport with. And not only that, but like we're not a thousand percent sure of the contract. Like there was one report where he opted in for 47 million and then that was debunked shortly thereafter. Like I, I feel like Harden has to be on his best behavior, at least for the rest of this season, just to repair a little bit of his image a little bit, if that's something that really matters to him, given the fact that he has angled out of two teams in one calendar year. I, we, I don't think we're unclear about his contract now. Um, I put in that story that you referenced that we do know there's no change to his contract, so he will have the option to either opt in this summer or to become an unrestricted free agent and seek a five-year deal. Right. The, the slightly more lucrative version would be the opt-in, but then he'd have to wait to get uh, four years tacked on. But uh, you would think that he'll do one of those. I think he has plenty of leverage. I don't think he has this, you know, monetary incentive to be on his best behavior. I think he's going to get that money regardless. I think if he doesn't get it, he could opt in and then say to the Sixers, you better trade me because right. I'm getting a max contract. Um, but that being said, I think he has other incentive beyond monetary to be on his best behavior because it ultimately will look at his legacy and say he didn't get along well with Dwight Howard, clashed eventually with Chris Paul, didn't want to continue playing with Russell Westbrook. I mean, who problems. does at this point? <laughs> That's fair. Have problems with Kyrie. And if he doesn't like playing with Joel Embiid, people are going to say, okay, there's a common denominator here. He's yep. too hard to get along with. And if you were him, you wouldn't want that on your resume. You'd want to win one or two rings and then cross those bridges where you pick your teammates. One that last best chances here. One last thing about off the court, and then we're going to take a short break and then get into the on the court stuff that Harden can help with. 
there, uh, you and Steve wrote a piece today about uh, Harden, and one of the parts was Harden possibly being passive aggressive. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. And this speaks to your point about Harden playing with guys. Maybe it's just the amount of drama that's, that he's been around the last couple of years. There's the Kyrie stuff this season. And then there was the Russell Westbrook nonsense the previous year before that. But I, I feel like when he it was Harden and Paul, I felt like that worked a little bit. When it was hardened by himself, obviously it worked. When it was hardened in Clint Capella, but I don't know. Maybe he just needs the right guys to play with. And if you can't play with somebody like Joel Embiid and his personality type and the team's personality type, then that common denominator is there. I'm not a thousand percent sure Harden is passive aggressive. Maybe he is in certain situations, but I feel like this is probably one of the better situations he's been in since. I don't know, early OKC. Yeah, I honestly I buy I buy the reporting. I it was from Ramona Shelburne and Woj, and then it was also reported by Mark Stein, and they, they both use this phrase. And I'm I'm buying it. Uh, I agree with the spirit of your point in that he might not have these issues here in Philly. He might have a much better scenario where he feels more comfortable vocalizing some problems or some issues and work through them. But I do think, you know, Kevin Durant has said this. Steve Nash has said this. Sean Marks has intimated it as, as much. Kyrie talked about it a little bit. It sounds like, uh, I think if you read the reporting from Joe Sy, from Brian Lewis on that, um, mm-hmm. it sounds like people in Brooklyn really did hear from him that I, I'm good. I'm, I want to do this. I'm here with you. And then it sounds like they were learning from other you know, back channels that he was not actually happy. He was exploring other options and talking to agents that he wasn't actually paying or represented by about some alternative plans for his future. Right. So if you wanted to classify that as passive aggressive, I'm fine with that. He was not going to Kevin Durant and saying, this isn't working. If we achieve X, Y, and Z, I will stay. He didn't, I don't think he gave them that chance in such clear terms, if that makes sense. I don't think so either. And I feel like this is definitely going to turn into the biggest what if of the last 10 years or so. Uh, if KD, Kyrie, and Harden could, you know, make that work. They were Honestly, 13. I and, don't think they were 13 and three in the games that they all played together. So, you know, that how many championships were left on the table with everything they have with Durant's injury history and Kyrie and his, uh, his head and just Harden having to navigate all of that. I, I don't even look at it as a, what if I think it's a, for sure. I think if Harden had stayed in Oklahoma with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and Serge Ibaka, they would have won multiple titles. Oh yeah. I think, I think if they would have all stayed in Brooklyn and somehow magically Kyrie Irving was available and they were all healthy. I would, I think they would have won multiple titles as well. No question. The stuff about, you know, the fit, there's only one ball to go around. I think Ben Simmons famously said, <laughs> um, I, I'm not buying any of that. I think if they only had Kyrie or only had a healthy Harden last year, they would have won the title led by Durant. Um, but they both got hurt. So, yeah, there's only so much that Kevin Durant can do, even though he yeah. is Kevin 
goddamn Durant. But anyway, I just uh, want to say, I just want to tell you while we're recording this, I am watching Ben Simmons sit on the bench and, and joke around with Andre Drummond at a Nets game. Wow. What wow. that's that's kind of a that's kind of a kick in the ass, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like Andre Drummond is admiring his ice on his uh his chain. Oh god. <laughs> Fantastic. So that all right. Now, I'm not gonna have I don't have anything to say about that. Uh I, I, I wish you well, Ben Simmons. I'm captioning and, uh, this in my head. I bet Andre's like making fun of well, you had enough money saved for one of these, something like that. For real. <laughs> We're gonna take a short break. Come back and we're going to talk about how Harden helps the Sixers on the court and get into a piece written by Tom West, uh, my favorite Brit, the gentleman that brings so much class to the podcast when he's on. But for now, we are just going to jump into the crux of his piece. So Liberty Ball is out of sight podcast. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, we're back. It's the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, where you can find a whole host of Vox Media podcasts. Talking to Dave Early about the Harden trade, we got into some of the off-court stuff involving Harden. But now let's talk about what really matters when it comes to Harden on the Sixers, and that's his impact on the court. I'm going to ask this question first. With Harden, is it possible that the Sixers are better now than when it was Jimmy Butler and Embiid? Like the amount of ways that the Sixers can score with these two guys, Harden and Embiid, is even greater than Butler and Embiid. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, it, it's going to depend, I think, like we talked about a little in the first half, what version of Harden they're getting? Can they get the absolute best version of Harden? Can they keep his minutes down in the regular season so that he is peaking and fresh and healthy for the stretch run? It's possible that we wouldn't see it right away because I do think there are some fit questions that they're going to have to work out. Uh, it's fair to bake in a little bit of a learning curve. Harden has had a lot of success with a lob threat big at this point. Now I would say uh, Joel Embiid is a little bit more of a pick and pop big. He's never really had a guard as good as, as a shooter as James Harden, who could, who could run those plays, you know, Jimmy Butler liked to slash, but it opens up a whole lot of things when you have a guy like James here. Um, but still, I would think it, they deserve a little time to figure it out. It might not be seamless or flawless, James Harden often likes to attack a spread floor where four guys are outside the three-point line. 
we know that the Sixers haven't really done much of that uh, in Doc's tenure. There, there's more of motion. There's more of a pick and sometimes two picks. So they like to do that drag sets. So be interesting. I think one of the problems we'll see is if James Harden is driving and his own man is on him and Bede's man comes over to help Matisse Thibel's man comes over to help Tobias's man is able to help because those that unit that they're going to surround Harden are not always the quick trigger three-point shooters that Sixers fans want them to be except for maybe Danny Green Green for sure Green likes to put it up no matter what um, yeah but the starting unit I mean Tyrese Maxey has shown more willingness but you don't think of him as like an Eric Gordon style catch and shoot guy who just lets it rip that's true the one thing that we know Harden is very, very good at is the isolation plays. And I'm of two minds about this. In the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, those types of situations, I'm okay if it's James Harden just pounding the ball and, you know, getting his own shot however he can. But I also feel like in the beginnings of games, I feel like he should at least try to operate in the flow of the offense. Like, I, I feel like it's a very it's, – it's pick and choose when Harden has to be James Harden and get that bucket because he knows he can. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, and this was something Nets fans wrestled with all year. Harden was the de facto point guard there without Kyrie. It was actually a year ago on Valentine's Day when Kyrie went to him uh, and said, you are the point guard. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the two. And I think some of the idea that he dribbles the air out of the ball looking to score for himself is kind of this more of a myth than it is a reality with James Harden. Yeah, he, I think so too. At least – at least this season, he's he's second in the league in assists. And what he was doing a lot of was driving to get into the paint because Steve Nash urged him, I don't care if you shoot or pass. I just want you to get by your man and get into the paint and create an advantage for us. And so that was essentially his role. They asked him to do as much as possible. And once that advantage was gained, then either kick it out to a shooter. And this is one of the problems they had. They didn't have a ton of shooters when Irving wasn't out there. So some of those times defenses could junk up the game because they didn't have to go out and chase Bruce Brown. Um, and I think that led to some of the frustration that we saw. It is pretty natural with Kevin Durant, who loves to position, you know, beyond the break outside in the wing. And Joel doesn't always love to. So there'll be some compromise that each player is going to need to make to, to make this work. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think the, of the idea that it's going to be problematic if Harden does these ISOs. I think the Sixers, particularly in lineups when Embiid is out, might even prefer it. I also think that Embiid is a rare type of player that Harden has played with just because of the simple fact that Embiid can do so much with his skill set that he ha he's a matchup nightmare against pretty much any team in the NBA because you have to bring a double on him. So ball movement, ball gets swung around, and then, oh, what's this? James Harden has a mismatch, so take that guy off the dribble and get to the lane. Like, it's not exactly something that Harden has had. Like, Clint Capella wasn't doing, like, a face-up game. Clint Capella wasn't stepping out for, like, mid-range jumpers or three-pointers. Like, this is completely different from Harden 
and what he's been used to. And for that reason, I feel like Harden may be in the perfect position to even defer a little bit for maybe the first time in his career. Yeah, if you read some of the reporting, um, I think it was Sam Amick and Alex Schiffer of The Athletic talked about how Harden understood that he was coming to join a three-headed monster and he was actually frustrated that it wasn't in place and he was asked to be the man. So you think about that. And I do think he's at a point in his career where he really wants to share with another superstar and win a ring or two. So I don't think he's at a, in this place where he's going to say, I need to be the man. Um, what would contradict my own point is, well, why the heck didn't he want to stay in Brooklyn? Cause yeah, if, if things all had worked out there, he very well could have been in that three headed monster attack. Uh, there, there are like rumblings that New York could repeal these vaccine mandates. Kevin Durant might be another two weeks away. He could have had that scary hours dream, but you know, the more you look at it now and you realize maybe he didn't want that. Maybe he just didn't want to play along those alongside those guys for another four or five years. He really just wants to be in Philly. Maybe Daryl Morey makes him feel a special way uh, that he wasn't feeling in Brooklyn. And maybe there was like, who knows? Maybe there was like an incident that we're just not going to hear about something between him and KD or him and Kyrie that would make this make more sense for us. We're, we're never going to hear that. Uh, right. <laughs> just tell you now. Uh, you did mention that Harden is second in the league in assists, and that's just something that is incredibly beneficial because, you know, the Sixers don't have Ben Simmons. Like, they haven't had Ben Simmons all season. And Tom even put in this piece how Harden's passing, while it's maybe, maybe not on the level of Simmons, it's still pretty damn good. Like, there's not too much of a drop-off between the ability of those guys passing ability on a night-to-night basis on the floor with Harden's entry passes, his skip passes. Like, that's going to be an incredibly dangerous pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop play with both Embiid or Tobias Harris. I don't think you're losing much as a, in a passer. I mean, Simmons has elite vision, and at his size – he could pretty much make any pass anywhere on a 94-foot court. I think that's but, the real difference. Yeah, but with Harden, he can shoot. So it, it requires a defender to guard him in a way where it opens up much more space for whoever Harden's throwing it to. So if he doesn't have the exact same type of vision and size that Simmons has, he certainly can get by by just – you know, manipulating a defense with his dribble and his ability to hit those shots. Um, Sixers fans are going to hope that he can be a willing catch and shoot player. That's not a big part of his game. I right. think if, if he was a little more willing to do that in Brooklyn, they might've had a little bit more success. Um, but at, at this point you sort of accept that that's not his, the best part of his game, that he's not his favorite thing to do. He will have a lot of outlets if the defense collapses on him. Because as you said, Danny Green is going to – he's going to fire away. Hopefully, Korkmaz gets back into shooting form. And Tom pointed this out. Tobias Harris isn't a high-volume shooter, but he's come to form over the last six weeks and is shooting about 43% from three since the start of January. So Harden's going to have some some nights where he goes off for, you know – he may only have like 22 points, but he'll have like 15, 16 assists maybe. Yeah. I mean, I was behind the Sixers 
keeping and maxing Tobias Harris when I thought they were going to be able to retain Jimmy Butler and JJ Reddick. We're at that point now where you're looking at it, where you're asking Tobias to maybe be the third or the fourth option on a given night with the emergence of Tyrese Maxey. And I think that's where you start to get into some of these scenarios where they're better than that 2019. It is kind of funny to me that Daryl Morey could hit the biggest grand slam one of the biggest grand slams of his career in swinging this trade when we didn't expect it. And we thought maybe he's just going to get, you know, a bag of pretzels from Wawa. <laughs> and then, and they still might not be as good as the 2019 what team was, but that's possible. That's, that's in the realm. They, they're going to need to make this work to, to top that. Um, and Harris is going to have to hit some of those wide open threes that he missed in game four uh, of that Sixers Raptor series a couple of years ago. This is the big thing for me. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what the, the the ceiling and the floor is a lot higher for what the Sixers can accomplish this year. But at the very least, they don't have $30 million in cap space just sitting on the bench doing nothing. It's better than that. Essentially, the team that we watched all season long has traded Seth Curry for James Harden. So if you look at it Pretty like much. that. It's getting it's a turbocharge. The other thing is the Sixers had so much work out in their favor, and that without Ben Simmons, it really has allowed Joel Embiid to go from one. I would say one of the worst passers of any superstar to now a very good passer and winning oh, yeah. passer. So James Harden, you talked about Clint Capella. There were some games in 2018 and 2019. Those famous. Rockets Warriors series where Capella had trouble catching the ball in traffic and had even more trouble finishing. And he certainly wasn't a good passer uh, and he couldn't hit his free throws. And so as good as he was in a series like that, he was a liability at times for them. And I think ultimately that's why they, you know, I know that had to do with Russell Westbrook, but I think ultimately that also played a part in why they traded him for Robert Covington. Joel and B right now is passing so well that it's incredible that we look, we looked at this, as such a big weakness of his, if it wasn't for that $33 million not in the lineup, I don't know that he would be where he is today as a passer. Um, now when you implement James to that lineup, it's like, wow, not only is he going to play with the best player in the game and Joel, that, that player can now pass like we've never seen. It should be incredibly fun. And uh, thank, thank you, Brooklyn and the, the state of New York for your uh, vaccine mandates that kind of made all of this possible. Um, you're, you're up there. You're up there in Brooklyn. What's the, what's the sense on the streets out there after the hardened trade? I think it's a lesser degree of what it was like in Philly. You know, Philly really wanted Ben out of town. Yeah. I think it, that was not the case largely until the final days until the trade. And if, if the trade had not happened, I think most Nets fans would have said, well, I'm glad it didn't happen. I wanted to, we can always come back and revisit that Ben Simmons thing in the summer. He didn't trade, change teams. He'll still be there. Um, but yeah, between Steve, it having Steve, Steve Lickman would have jumped off the Ben Franklin bridge. And yeah, you and I were pr- fully prepared to have that podcast of like, all right, what are these sign and trade scenarios we can do? <laughs> um, can we convince Ben to play now in Philly? But uh, our hearts wouldn't have been in it. I think the sense in Brooklyn and Manhattan and New York is, or at least Nets fans, wherever they are, is now that it's happened and it's over with, and now that we're reading 
just how much James might have dogged it in his final days here to get what he wanted. Fine. We want a team where everyone wants to be here. We didn't want to risk, you know, him leaving us flat for nothing or maxing him like $60 million when he's 37 years old. I know you pointed that looming specter out on Twitter. So I think Nets fans are okay with it at this point because I think it's sort of like Sixers fans, our mess was cleaned up. We took on your problems, you took on ours, and everyone is happier. So last thing, and we'll, we'll end on this, something positive. There's always the move where fans burn jerseys of players they have, that have scorned them. I am just going to once again repeat how completely colossally stupid that is and give folks an alternative. If you go to Stateside Vodka, they are giving $25 gift cards for Ben Simmons jerseys. And those jerseys will be donated to a shelter in Brooklyn. So if you have a Ben Simmons jersey, please do something like that where the jerseys and the clothing will actually go to good use as opposed to just, you know, heating your chimney at night. Like there, there are better, <laughs> there are better things to do with your Ben Simmons jerseys. Like get your twenty-five dollar gift card for uh, stateside vodka and uh, help a Brooklyn shelter. Like there are many, there are great, there are greater ways to utilize your now useless Ben Simmons Sixers jerseys. It's a really, really great cause, and it's it's awesome. It does raise the awkward scenario where you're going to a Nets game. And now the most heated rivalry in the league and you're wearing a Sixers jersey, <laughs> people are going to think you're cheering for the wrong team. Well, that's just something that those people will have to deal with, not us. Because <laughs> we'll be wearing our hardened Sixers jerseys, which is fine. I, I would like a hardened Sixers jersey and I would like a Ben Simmons Nets jersey. Uh, not that I wear jerseys anymore, but if I had them, I think it'd be fun to wear as pajamas around the house. Listen, my nephew still has a Ben Simmons jersey. It's the first Sixers jersey I ever bought him, so he's just going to wear that until the Sixers win the title, in which case I'll get him an MB jersey. <laughs> I like it. Or whoever is the finals MVP of that, of that run, whoever that It might. could be Maxi. It could be Paul Millsap. Who knows? Paul Millsap. Okay, I think we can just end it there. Paul Millsap is NBA Finals MVP. Dave, I think you've been hitting the stateside vodka a little bit too hard. <laughs> but it's always nice talking to you. We'll have to see what pans out the rest of the season in the playoffs. I don't know about you, but I feel a hell of a lot better today than I did last week around this time. Yeah, the Sixers have made major strides. Um I am going to miss Seth Curry, and I know that he had some really good chemistry playing with Joel Embiid. Yeah. Uh, and Joel, Joel Embiid has talked about that too, and he's really going to miss Seth. He was a great, great acquisition. Um, but ultimately, yeah, the Sixers got a lot better, and fans should be excited about this team. Shout out Seth Curry up there in Brooklyn. We appreciated having you here, and we appreciate Mark Cuban for uh, trading Seth Curry for Josh Richardson and – like a, a ghost draft pick or whatever it was. I can't even remember the entirety of the trade, but Thanks, thank Mark you. Cuban. Thank you, Mark Cuban. Thank you, Seth Curry. Uh, thank you, Dave Early. I'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. Thanks for having me.
to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.